Welcome. In this episode, Dr. Garcia discusses leadership in the early childhood setting as it pertains to the early childhood administrator. This is the Early Foundations podcast featuring Dr. Isela Garcia. And we're going to be talking about the onset of the school year. So what are the types of things that we should be doing at the beginning of the school year to really create a climate and organization or classroom climate that is um, emotionally responsive, that where children feel safe and where they uh, feel connected so that they can have the best opportunity uh, for learning and growing and developing. And as I was thinking about that topic, I was thinking about what does this look like in terms of leadership? Now, if you know my work, you know that I'm super passionate about leadership, just as passionate as I am about social and emotional development and the types of experiences that we offer to children in terms of learning and supporting their growth and development. And so let me tell you this story of how this came to be. Um, My experience... Uh, I've been an administrator. I was an administrator for 12 years. And I will tell you that I made a lot of mistakes. I mean, we all do. And one of the things that I really wanted to understand better when I took on a leadership role, because, you know, in the zero to five realm, you don't have to have any kind of certification or any kind of additional degrees or even training for that matter uh, in the area of uh, leadership. And so very often many folks assume these types of positions without a whole lot of uh, support and understanding of how to lead others. Oftentimes many of us were either very ambitious teachers or just really good teachers. And people go, you know, you're a great teacher, you'd be a great administrator. And so oftentimes we kind of fall upon um, these positions without, again, a whole lot of training. And so what I, you know, my specialization is really uh, social and emotional uh, development that includes resiliency. And one of the things that I I really um, believe in with my whole heart is the relationship we have with children and not from a place of you know, power over and I'm the boss of and classroom management and it's going to be this way. I really come from a place of um, really understanding that who we are in the presence of children helps them develop the neural pathways and the connections in the brain that help them know how to be in the world. So there's a direct impact basically of who I am and um, in their presence and how I am with them and how I engage and how I am in terms of their emotional state of being and how I support them through difficult experiences as well as some exciting celebrations. And so I really come from a place of respecting children. And so I wondered um, what that looked like at the leadership level. And so I was already in an administrative position when I decided to go for my doctorate in the area of organizational leadership because I wanted to know what do Fortune 500 companies do? What, what makes um, incredible companies incredible where people want to work there and then they stay there? And there is not a whole lot of turnover. So I stepped outside of education uh, specifically to learn what companies do that are not in education because what I felt is that in education even though we do have the lens of understanding the complexities of uh, teaching and learning and all of the things that come down the pike from wherever your funders are wherever you get money I get that but I really wanted to know what was most significant about uh, creating a climate and and being a leader that 
people wanted to be a part of, you know, these companies that, you know, we hear Google, we hear a lot of companies that folks are like, I want to work there and the climate feels good and I feel supportive and, and as supported. And so I wanted to know what, what constitutes that, what type of leader um, creates a climate like that? And is it just the leader who does that? So I had all of these questions. And so I stepped outside of my comfort zone and really wanted to know more. And what I learned, um, and I have to tell you that I'm so incredibly grateful for that experience because what I learned more than anything else is that what I believed about young children and children in general is actually very true for adults. And it all came down to sort of the same thing that we look at for children. And so at the beginning of the school year, our focus and our focus will be for next week is rules, relationships, rituals, and routines. And those things are just as important when we're establishing not only a relationship with those who we work with, but also to create an organizational climate. Now, let me tell you a little bit about organizational climate. Organizational climate is what it feels like when we walk in the door. What um, it just is this a place of um, connection? Do I feel safe? Do teachers feel safe? Do we feel trusted? Is there camaraderie? Is there celebration? Is there respect for one another? It doesn't mean that we have to, you know, be palsy and, and be the best of friends. What it means is that how do we create a climate where we can celebrate one another's contributions? Because each one of us have contributions. How do we create a climate where those types of things are celebrated? And at the same time, we have very clear expectations that we are um, that that we can address difficult experiences or challenging have those challenging conversations that need to be had. How do we help teachers and other staff? Because it's not just teachers who make the school happen, but there are lots of them, lots of people who come who show up each day to do very important work. And so, how do we create a cohesive climate so that people can um, not only feel good about showing up each day, but also feel that they have, they are empowered to help and others who they work with. And so that there's this reciprocity in the relationship. And so there's so many things that I see happen when I go out to schools, when I go into organizations and programs. Um, and oftentimes what, how I, you know, this is a very common term. It's the big elephant in the room. And so there are oftentimes these layers, these layers of um, history of history in terms of relationships that have happened, situations that, that occurred many years ago that now have made a significant impact about how we engage with one another, how we relate to one another. All those things play a significant part in our organizational climate. Now, having said all that, a new teacher who walks in the door, oftentimes what happens is we go, you know, here's the curriculum we follow, we follow that with fidelity, here's your classroom, these are the people you're going to be working with in terms of like an elementary school where they have grade level uh, teams. And so there's this, you know, here you go and have at it. And very often, and I'll tell you in the zero to five realm, what happens in early childhood programs is we often do the same thing. And um, how we learn the rules is by messing up. And so you do something that is, you didn't do something that needed to get done, or you did something that wasn't acceptable or appropriate, and someone goes, oh yeah, we don't do that here. And you're like, okay, so what do I do instead? And so the way that I often describe this is like you walk into a house with glass walls. 
and you're not exactly sure what to do and how to do it. And if you're fortunate enough to have um, people who work close to you, who work around you, who are willing to extend an invitation to join the group, to feel like there's a reciprocity in the relationship. We're so excited you're here. We're here to help you in whatever you need. Um, that doesn't happen all the time. Matter of fact, what I see oftentimes is a sense of sort of, you know, who's the new person on the block. Um, oftentimes there's a territorial issues there other like competition sometimes rises if there's a perception that the administrator favors one teacher or the other all of these things actually really sort of diminish the organizational climate the big thing that i see very often in schools is a lack of trust and the lack of trust goes from you know not trusting children in 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 how and what they need in terms of learners and not trusting teachers and their ability to be able to gauge that effectively and be able to support children in the way that they need to be supported. So lack of trust is huge. And so when we're looking at an organizational climate, we need to make sure that we're helping teachers feel good about showing up each day. You know, when we look at how many, what our turnover looks like, how many teachers are leaving the field, how many teachers that have reached out to us and have said, you know, I'm, I, I'm really at a loss right now. I love working with children, but all of the other stuff makes it very difficult for me to feel good about showing up each day. And so teachers have opted to leave teaching altogether. And so that's a concern because we have so many classrooms that don't have qualified teachers running them right now. And so we have to really pay attention to the type of climate that we are creating for them. Because if we want them to continue to show up and we want them to feel good about being there, then we have to take a look at our systems, our relationships, and who we are in the presence of teachers. Um, you know, it's this us versus them thing. You know, everyone wants to point the finger and say, well, if they would get their stuff together and then they, you know, we point the finger the other way, if they would get their stuff together, then things would be different. And that doesn't help either, either case. It doesn't help on the administrative side. It doesn't help on the teaching side. It creates a grand division more than anything else. And so I will tell you that really taking a look at leadership has more to do with who I am in the presence of others. It's about what I can control and how I can be influential. And really, the, the, that locus of control is really just me. It's how I connect with others. So let's really take a look at just these four things that we talk about with children. And, um, and, and really coming to your truths about your truth, about how you engage with others, how you engage with teachers, how you engage with someone who you may um, kind of get irritated by. All of that has to come to sort of your surface as a leader to go, okay, what is it within me is reactive in this situation and why and why? So having an understanding of how to separate my own um, perceptions and be able to look beyond that and say, what strengths does this teacher have or that the staff member have? What is it that they bring to the table that is super significant? And how can I connect on an authentic level? Now, far too often what happens is we, um, like I said, give them the stuff, give them the job description, give them all the things that, that we think is going to help them know how to do the job. And we don't extend 
um, ourselves in relation to them, in, in establishing a, um, a, an authentic relationship so that they know that we are here for them, that we are here to not only support them, but celebrate their experiences, but also to provide some challenging uh, experiences as well. Because we are, if you really buy into the experience of, of learning and growing as a professional, as an organization, then you are a learning organization. That's what we are, a learning organization. I'm learning, you're learning, we're all learning, the children are learning. Um, and so I want to extend um, uh, support to you, and I want you to know that I care that you show up each day. That's a really important part of, of shifting the organizational culture and climate in, in schools and in programs. So let's, let's mirror this because I often talk about with children. When new teachers start with children, um, we talk quite a bit about establishing a relationship with every single child, that we make eye contact, that we smile and become excited when we come into contact with that child each and every day, that we um, say, you know, that we even use their name when we welcome them. And so these little things are big things. They mean that I am, I care about you and it's important that you show up each day. Um, one of the things that I sort of learned the hard way as an administrator, because I am so introverted, I wouldn't, I, I would walk by people without even greeting or saying hello or how are you today? And it seems like such a minor thing, but it isn't. It isn't. And when I recognized how significant it was, was actually when I was at another school. And when I walked into this school, it's a very small school in Arizona. And I will tell you that every single person greeted me. Everybody said, welcome. Can I help you? Would you like, you know, whatever. And I was just so impressed by how many people extended a welcome and assistance. And it was just amazing. And so that feeling of I belong here is speaks volumes, particularly to new teachers and to teachers who might be kind of on that fence of, you know what, this is this really worth it anymore? And so relationship, extending um, ourselves that I am here for you, so you have to make yourself present. And one of the things that I made a rule for myself was that 60-40, so 60% of my day had to be connecting with people. So that meant in classrooms, so I could see what was happening, engaging with children, so that I, by name, I would um, have you know actual interactions with them through the course of the entire day and then the week, and that so that I was very super visible. Um, the third thing is that I would connect with teachers in passing. And I would know the stories, just like with children, we talk about the significance of knowing the stories of children, that we would know the stories of teachers. And that we go, hey, you know, how was that vacation? Or how was your summer? Were you able to get to Alaska the way you, would, you wanted to? That we would make those authentic um, connections so that we are expressing um, that message, that it's important that you came each day, that, that we are glad you are here, okay? And I will tell you that authenticity is really important. It's not enough to say, good job. It's not enough to say, you know, hey, how was your day? And I will tell you that if you are introverted or if you have, a, you know, 500 emails each day and a pile of 30 things to get to, it's really hard to make this a priority. 
But if you want to shift your climate so that it feels good for people to show up each day, this is an important part of creating that shift. It's authentic relationships. And my research showed that 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 significance of establishing that sense of belonging connection with the adults actually directly affects uh, their experiences in the classroom. And so there's a direct correlation between how we are with one another and how the teacher will then feel good about the about being there and the sense of belonging that it actually transfers um, most often in the classroom as well. So you're actually creating a sense of connection and belonging. The other thing, um, and going into connection, looking at rituals. Now we talk about rituals in the classroom and these are the, the, the experiences that we have that connect our heart, that connect us. And very often what um, administrators will do is they'll do like, a, you know, appreciation and, and you're going to point out certain people in the group who have done something, contributed somehow, did a good job on something. And I will urge you not to do that. When you're trying to create a community, it's not about singling individuals out. And I know in our minds, we think that's a good thing to do because then I, you know, that person will feel good about the work that they have done. But I have to tell you that a lot of people show up doing the very best that they can do. And age person circumstances are just a little bit different. And so maybe, and if you've been in my sessions, you've heard me say this, that maybe um, Samantha, you know, is excited about teaching. You know, she's not married. She doesn't have children. She comes in at six o'clock every day and she works her butt off and she works there until seven, eight o'clock at night, you know, trying to get everything that she, you know, she's excited about teaching. And we have a teacher right next door who's just as excited about teaching, but she has other responsibilities like, you know, a husband or a children or, you know, maybe even a second job. And so that, but, but is just as passionate and feels just as important that working or working with children is just as important to her. But because of her circumstances, she's not able to give in the way that this other teacher can. And so when we separate that out and when we give, um, you know, prizes or, or even just accolades or whatever in, in our staff meetings, we actually create division instead of community and cohesiveness. Um, and so, and I know, I mean, if you think about that, just put yourself in that position. If you work hard and as hard as you possibly can and somebody else is being recognized it's like a couple things might happen depending on your temperament the first one is boy I, I i really feel bad about myself because i'm not working hard enough clearly because you know she's getting um you know she's getting accolades and you know she's here to stay longer than i can i'm gonna try to work harder even though it's kind of out of my my means to be able to do so or uh, again, depending on personality, it's like, I'm never going to be able to work that hard. I'm never going to be able to do that or get to that level because of my situation. Then I'm just going to give up altogether. So what's the point? And then, um, then again, there's another scenario where another person may take that as screw this. You know, I, I work hard and no one seems to notice that I work hard. And so it actually, even though we have good intentions behind it, we're actually creating division among our staff. So what we, I recommend to do instead is to really build opportunities for cohesive, collaborative conversations about what we're doing in the best interest of children and how we are being supportive, 
not not from me as a leader, but from from teachers, from staff. What is it that 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 being supportive of children and being responsive to their emotional needs and ensuring that they um, feel like you know they're excited to come to school each day? What does that look like, and how are we doing that? And to be really reflective of our own practice when we do this from an authentic perspective, instead of a way to try to motivate. Then what happens is we start to build this dialogue of significant practice that we're engaging in. Um, I think teachers far too often feel like there's the next thing that's kind of pushed down on them and here's another expectation that's pushed down on them. If we start to really create a climate where our voices are heard, where teachers are able to share their experiences and to be able to be reflective of practice and to be able to develop a visionary sort of perspective or what is it, why do we show up each day, then I'm more attached to showing up each day. If that makes sense, it's like there's it's a sense of emergence that comes from the cohesive group as opposed to, you know, top down. And I will tell you, top down situations look like they work and they might work in terms of like policies and procedures. But in, in, in terms of people showing up to do work that's open hearted and um, and that is it, where we feel committed to not only the children that we work with, because a lot of teachers are committed to the children they work with but are committed to the organization or the school. And so that there's a difference. There's a significant difference when we really pay attention. So rituals in terms of the classroom, these are the things that connect our heart. What are the things that you are doing that connect our hearts? This is not just little goodie bags. This, these are things that um, are significant in our relationships with one another. And so um, one of the things that I know this is semantics. I get that this is semantics. Um, the use of the word team. We use this quite a bit when we're looking at uh, grade level teams. Uh, and I will tell you that there are a lot of books about teamwork. There's a lot of leaderships about leadership books about teamwork. And there's lots of conversations about teams. And, um, and I will tell you that when you, when you look at it, uh, teams, so just, let's just look at that for, for a moment. You know, my, my husband played basketball. He still plays basketball. That's where he's at right now, playing basketball. And I played basketball growing up as well. And I will tell you the cohesiveness that's on the team is phenomenal, right? The connectedness, the camaraderie, the support from these people these that, that are, you know, each of you are important sort of um, facets to, you know, accomplish your goal. I'm sorry, your goal. And the goal is what? The goal is to win, right? The goal is to win. Well, I will tell you, just having said that, um, many years ago, one of the things I used to do is actually have my staff evaluate me. They did that, um, I would say, every six months or so. We would send out for the first maybe two years an evaluation to the staff because, you know, the truth hurts. And sometimes, you know, I, I didn't always make the best of decisions. Or there are some times that um, maybe things appeared that I was either unfair or, you know, whatever. There are lots of things that happen. And I wanted to know, okay, if I'm going to be truly self-reflective, if this is a true learning organization, I have to be willing to hear what it is that they're thinking about me. And so I um, one of the things that I said to the administrator or the administrative assistant who was collecting all of these questionnaires, because this is before the time that you could do it online and all those things, they were actually handwritten. And of course, people are afraid of handwriting. Someone's going to be able to know I said that this, da, 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 just by my handwriting. 
So when I said to the administrative assistant, I want you to type all of the responses. And if somebody bolded something or underlined it, I want you to try to duplicate that on the typed document. And um, one of them, and I'll never forget this, somebody wrote, I, I would say ginormous, wrote, Isela, Teams Divide, Community Unites. And I remember feeling like it sort of, I just this like took my breath away. Oh my goodness, like I hadn't even thought about that. Because just like everybody else, I was on this, you know, teamwork, teamwork, we're a team, we're going to work together. But the truth of it is, when I think of my experience as a, you know, playing basketball, my husband's world has continues to be around playing sports and basketball and, and, um, and more than that. But we, we, there's a cohesiveness within that team. But the truth of it is, is that we want to win. We want to be better than. And to win, there needs to be somebody who loses. And so even though it's just semantics, one of the things that I recognized in my own school was that I had classroom teachers who were competing against one another, even among those teams. And that grade levels were competing against one another among those teams. You know, it's like everyone, there was a sense of competition. Who's better than? Who's better, more liked? Who has better classroom management? It was this experience of, of, that was really screaming division, not community. And so I had to really take a look at what is it that unites us? What is it that helps us celebrate one another? Instead of what often happens is that I'm trying to be better than. And oftentimes, um, you know, like I mentioned before, depending on our personalities, we fall into these sort of traps of I can't even get anywhere, so I'm not even going to try. Or, you know, I, I can't trust this person for this reason and that reason. So we kind of fall into these experiences based on this undercurrent of competition, of this, um, this teamwork perspective. And so when we're trying to make an organizational shift into building a sense of community, we have to really take responsibility for our prior approaches and how we may have created division among staff. Um, so when we're really shifting, we've got to look at, again, I'm going to go back to this, where relationships are key rituals, the things that connect us, the experiences that connect us. And sometimes that may just be um, ways that we help, uh, help celebrate one another. And again, I'm telling you that this is not about a good job. It's about being very specific about the things that you are observing and without your personal judgment, but as a reflection, just like we do with children. This is what it might sound like. I noticed that you made, um, when you were reading a book to the children, and you've had some challenging, some challenges with Bobby, and you were reading the book, and you made very clear, loving eye contact with him. That helped pull him back into the experience. Clearly, he saw you looking and connecting with him. And it wasn't from a place of frustration or that look that we might give across the room to tell a child, you know, sit up, better act right. It was really a loving um, connection. And clearly, he responded to that. I can see how you're making that effort to really create an authentic relationship with Bobby. And so this type of feedback takes, um, takes you knowing what's happening. Um, and it has to be individual. It shouldn't be, it, there's no need to, to announce it to the world. It's really about building 
those relationships. What's really amazing about this is that when we do this um, consistently uh, from an authentic place, we actually create a ripple effect. And then it's not just me having this experience with teachers. Teachers start to elevate and to do this for one another. You're quite literally creating a new climate within the organization or the school. The next thing that I want to uh, bring up is rules. Now, as I mentioned before, far too often teachers learn by fire. It's like, here's your classroom, here's what we do, here's, you know, these are the, the basic things that you need to do, like whatever needs to be hanging in terms of um, the licensing requirements or your school expectations to have in your room. Like we have all of these policies, but we don't really give a clear understanding of how we do things here. How we do things here are about, um, are more than just written in policy. And this is one of those things that I wish uh, schools and organizations would spend more time capturing. It's one of the things, I'm actually working on a book right now that helps, um, that, that sets sort of a platform for this so that you can use some of the processes that I have developed over my years uh, as an administrator, but also working in schools. Because far too often, Teachers learn by making mistakes. And I will tell you that that's the worst way to learn. It's when you go, crap, I screwed up again. So somebody please tell me what we're supposed to do. Now, if you're lucky and you have a cohesive group that you're working with or master level teachers or someone who's willing to extend a hand, they'll tell you, oh, let me tell you what we do instead. Let me show you what we do. We've done this for whatever years, and so this is why we do it this way. If you have that, then that's beautiful, but oftentimes teachers don't have that, and they are just learning by messing up, and um, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to be uncertain of what to do and how to do it. We all know when we start a new job, it takes one year, at least one year, to figure out what the heck am I doing. If you're in the classroom, you're just trying to figure out your kids, who they are as individuals, how to do the whole classroom, whole group management, how to do individualized support and, and, um, and connections. So you're just trying to figure out the, the, the routine and how we roll with the punches, right? How do we make this day be a successful day? It takes one solid year to just figure that out. And so if we're learning by not knowing what to do in advance, then sometimes we can get, um, you know, we feel burnt out even before the year end. Sometimes it just feels, we feel defeated and overwhelmed. And if we could just create systems for our teachers, whether it be a mentorship experience, whether it be, um, and, and I know a lot of schools do like first year teachers and second year teachers come together, but Let's do more than just like this is how you become more successful in the classroom with children. Let's spend more time on building relationships with one another, building cohesive units so that we feel a sense of camaraderie, collaboration, and celebration. So that when we show up each day, we feel good about being there. Um, that's half the battle. We feel good about being there. That gives me enough energy for me to go into my classroom and be an amazing teacher and show up for children. Okay. 
And so um, these rules are not just policies. I Everybody has policies. You know, everybody has those kinds of rules. I'm talking about how we are with one another. What What is the unspoken rule? What are the unspoken rules? Are there unspoken rules about playground? Are there unspoken rules about it's just what we know, right? And so really pay close attention to what are those, what's the undercurrent um, with respect to how we are here, who we are here. Um, those are really important things, and we want to set up the opportunity for teachers and staff to be successful. It's not enough to give them a job description list. It's not enough to give them the policies and procedures. It's not enough to give them, you know, a session or two on, on classroom management or the curriculum. I'm talking about relationship building, okay? So rules, rituals, routines, and relationships. Did I do them all? Oh, routines. Routines falls into the experience of how do we do things. Um, I will tell you that uh, if you think of um, a, a, a best a, a relationship that you've had somebody where you had clear expectations in that relationship, where there wasn't any question about, um, you know, am I liked? Am I not liked? Am I doing a good job? Am I not doing a good job? Because there was an authenticity in the relationship. And so what I mean by that is as leaders, we have to get comfortable with the language that we use that and comfortable and we have to practice this, the language of being supportive, of, of saying, um, you know, I, I'm interested in what it is that you are thinking about this situation, what it is, your perceptions. I'm interested in knowing more about that. Um, please share that with me. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have clear expectations of, of how we do things. Um, I have very, very clear expectations about that, but I'm very upfront about that. And so the language of assertion, the language of saying, let me help you, um, let me help you understand what it is that, you know, we have the expectations that we have here. I'm trying to make this stuff up instead of having some very concrete examples. Um, when we have some concrete examples, it's much easier for me. So it's not like, I'm not, I don't want anyone to walk away from this, this, podcast or this Facebook live and think I'm saying, you know, we're creating a fluffy environment. That's not at all. Um, just like in the classroom when I'm working with children, because there's a direct, there, there's a, well, it's called a parallel process. You do unto others as you want them to do unto others. And so the experience in my, my reflection as a classroom teacher is that I want to create an environment where children feel safe, where they feel safe to take risks, where they know that I trust them as learners, where there's a, um, I celebrate their successes with them. And I also push them a little because I want them to feel challenged. If we don't feel challenged, we're not learning. If we don't, if we're in this comfort space, then we're not continuing to grow and to learn and to develop. What I used to say to my entire staff is we better not be in this same place one year from now. We better not be in the same place because this means that we didn't grow, that we didn't learn, that we didn't develop. And instead of trying to make it a race, we really want to have this cohesive sort of approach because we show up each day for children, we show up each day for families. And so we have to be strong as a cohesive unit in order to do this successfully. So um, I just wanted to share that translation because we are going to talk about with children, rules, relationships, rituals, and routines, that it's just important to create that 
for your teachers each at the beginning of every year. But again, that my 60-40 rule, 60% of my day is spent with people. So whether that's meeting with teachers, that's being in the classroom with them. Um, I, there was one administrator that I worked with. I had a contract with the district. And um, I will tell you that she was in classrooms like every time I went there. Every time I went to, to work in classrooms, because, you know, my consulting was actually working side by side with teachers, modeling um, and observing their practice to really help strengthen them, help them strengthen as teachers. Uh, when we went looking for the principal, she was like always in a classroom and she wasn't just in the classroom with her computer. She was in the classroom actually engaging with children. She was engaging with teachers. She was being really thoughtful and, and, and really reflective of those observations. I would catch her on the back end of several observations. You know, right before I'd leave, she and I would connect and just kind of debrief a little. And her reflections were so insightful about, you know, what can I do in, in, my, in my position to be able to help her grow, learn, and develop? How do I help her feel good about herself as a classroom teacher because some teachers feel so overwhelmed? Um, we have to recognize that when we create a climate where teachers feel stressed, and when they feel overwhelmed, they are directly impacting children. And when we, we have, I believe, created this, this place of high anxiety, we were, I was on another, um, on another board on Facebook, and we just had this conversation online about um, children, the high levels of anxiety, that anxiety has risen over the last 10, 15 years. And I will tell you that, and, and the article said something about trauma in the home. There's always been trauma in the home always been history of trauma in the home. What I'm concerned about is that we see a significant amount of children who feel anxiety and stressed about school, about not performing, about not doing the, their best work, about teachers who are stressed out and have anxiety. And so that impacts children. And so we have to start to pay attention to what it takes for us to create school climates and organizational climates of cohesiveness, of collaboration, of celebration. And the way that we do that is we have to be self-reflective as leaders. How am I connecting authentically? Are my building and creating relationships that are authentic, that are emotionally responsive? Do I listen intently? And we've got to build in those times for rituals where we are celebrating one another and that we get rid of all these le levels of competition. Because I have to tell you, if competition motivated, then we would have not have to keep using it as a way to motivate. It doesn't work. And in the meanwhile, a lot of people feel bad as a result of it. The next one is rituals and routine, or I'm sorry, routines and rules. Have clear understanding of how to help teachers be successful and I'm talking about all teachers but more importantly the not more importantly all teachers but you know you've got your new teachers starting and the average stay is like one to five years and boom teachers are done and so if you want to create a, in a climate where teachers show up and stay then pay attention to how you are connecting to them, that they feel successful when they're starting to feel overwhelmed, that you extend a hand, that you extend in a listening ear. So I hope this is helpful as you're starting the school year um, and that you continue to be reflective of this as the year progresses. 
just like teaching and starting to create a new approach in the classroom as a leader it's just as challenging at times to shift if this if you have been approaching leadership a certain way so to shift out of that takes an intentional decision to do so and practice to continue to implement new ideas and new approaches that are that really build a sense of community so if you'd like more information about this i'm going to check to see if there's any questions I'm going on to Facebook here to see if there's anybody who has any questions. Oftentimes on the Celesi group page, I am, um, I just kind of pop on. So I'm sure that I would have more folks engaging in this, uh, in this dialogue. If I actually had a set time, I'm going to be at a certain time, <laughs> but that's not how I work. I'm trying. <laughs> okay. Let me see here. Three comments. Okay. Uh oh. Uh oh. All right. Listening from California. Hi, Laurel. Yay! I'm so glad. Um, are you part of the first things first? Or no, I'm sorry, not first things first five group. Or um, did you work uh, in? Let's see. What else did I do out there? Or work with? Um, oh, geez. Uh, Ventura County Department of Education. Yes, I'm so glad you joined. I um, hope that I can get back out there. I loved my work in California, especially now when we're dying out here. <laughs> Hello from Prescott. I am excited. Um, oh my goodness, from Prescott. I believe, oh no, it's Yavapai College. Um, oh, yay, yay. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. From BCOE, I'm so glad that you are on and I'm hoping that you stay connected to us. Um, we have Prescott uh, family, is it, tell me, is that, oh, I miss you too. I totally miss you too. Oh my goodness, it was such a good um, cohesive group. We're just talking about that, a cohesive group of folks that I worked with out there and um, you all were doing some really important work and so I'm excited that you have stayed connected. So that, I thank you for that. Um, Prescott, F-E-C. I was, was I out there with you guys? I believe I was. Zoli, I believe I was out there with you all. Hey, um, I'm going to Yavapai College. For those of you at Yavapai College, I'll be there in a couple weeks. I'm actually doing two days there, so I'm excited about that. Um, I also will be headed out to Washington with the Tulalip Tribe. I've done a lot of work over the last many years with the Tulalip Tribe, and I get so excited that um, I, you know, they keep inviting me back, so that's a good thing, right? And so it'll be nice to be in the northern part of Washington. I hope to be a, um, <laughs> I hope to be a snowbird one day. And uh, that's where I'd like to kind of uh, stake my home for part of the year because it's just horrendously hot here during the summer. So if you all have any questions um, or any comments, I would love to hear from you. Uh, if, if there's something that I didn't say or address here, I definitely, if you have a question listening to the recording, I can come back and um, respond at that point. So I thank you all. Let me see who else. There's a little delay. <laughs> so I'm like waiting for the delay. 
So I thank you all for joining this evening and I hope it was helpful to you or at least gets you thinking about uh, leadership a bit. Next Monday, uh, Marisa and I and anybody else from our LESI group who wants to join us, uh, can we're going to be talking about the beginning of the school year and um, rules, routines, relationships, um, rituals, are what we call our four R's, and what that actually looks like in the classroom. So we really want teachers and children to have that foundational experience so that they're creating a good, positive transition into kindergarten. But this is also true. I mean, quite honestly, it's true for preschool as well. It's true for first grade. It's true for second and third grade and probably beyond. When you look at the foundational elements, and as I just mentioned, it is significant for leadership. It's not enough to give goodie bags and do a welcome. We have to stay connected and create an environment and a climate of respect, reciprocity, relationships, again, collaboration, community, and celebration. So have a good evening, everyone. Oh, 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 oh,